For a while, on my Patreon page, I was trying to do a bonus episode once a month. I, I may start doing that again, but um, I, I just tend up wanting to share the episodes so everyone can hear them. Way back in March of 2020, Wendy Hembrook from Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV and Small Council Matters uh, podcast joined me and to share her all-female Mount Rushmore of rock and roll. So here's that bonus episode um, for everyone to enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a patron-only episode of Set Lessing Bruce. That's right, you guys get top-secret audio, and today we have a wonderful one. One of my favorite podcasters and one of my favorite people, Wendy Hembrook, is here. Wendy, how are you doing? Hi, Jesse. I'm doing great. Good. So, um, Wendy, in case someone has not listened to you, on the regular show. Uh, tell us a little about yourself. I am a podcaster, which is how I know Jesse. I am one of the co-hosts of Tuning Into Sci-Fi Television Podcast, which is a show where every week we talk about genre television that's currently on that we think you should watch now, watch soon, let sit on your DVR or maybe skip. Um, we have a lot of fun geeking out about some of our favorite shows. And yeah. we are at Tuning Into Sci-Fi TV. Yeah, one of my favorite podcasts, um, the the banter and the camaraderie you guys have, it really does feel like you're just in a room with a bunch of friends, you know, gabbing about the latest, um, whether it's Supernatural or, you know, Star Trek Picard or, you know, and, and then it's always funny that um, between the three of you, the shows that, you know, like, only one of you may be watching because there's so much to watch now, right? And so and, and the, the whole perspective of, are we going to stick with this or not, right? Well, we've had uh, an evolution. So we've been doing the show for over 11 years. And um, we used to have a rule where we would try a show out. If it was a network show that it would have like 22 episodes, we'd We'd say, well, let's give it five before we decide. Yeah. And now in the age of streaming, um, a lot of them, you know, you get two maybe. Yes. <laughs> and then, you know, you got a Fisher cut bait. Yeah, absolutely. It's just, um, and I actually think that was one of the first, um, one of the things they do. Um, and I've kind of, when I was doing my um, Springsteen thought of the day was a, blatant copy of they do a term a tuner minute and they kind of do a one minute commentary just to think the question to ask or you know guessing for feedback from the audience and i think um either one of them the question was or a response to and the reality was you have to accept the fact that there may be good tv or good books or good comics you're just not going to get to Oh, yeah, there, there absolutely are now. Uh, there's tons of great shows that 
either just am not going to pay for it because it's on a pay channel that there isn't enough other content for me to want to watch and pay for, or um, I'm going to wait for it to come to streaming and binge it all down the road because maybe it was a show that only got two or three seasons. So it's like, oh, I'll save that for, you know, one long weekend (laughs) sometime down the road. Well, in in Wendy's other persona, um, she is a massive Pearl Jam fan. And uh, how long have you been uh, with a, a big fan of the band? Um, so I've always liked I always liked Pearl Jam from their very first album, Ten. Um, I used to have a thirty-minute drive back and forth to work, and I had. Um, both 10 and verses on uh, cassettes, right? Back when we had cassettes that I would play in the car. And 10, I could play side A on the drive to work and side B on the drive home, which I did for like a whole year straight. Um, But I had never had the opportunity to see the band play live until 1998. And that's when I became a super fan uh, where, you know, I wanted to, be a hardcore um, girl, a girl who saw them play as much as possible in as many different places as possible and um, very much uh, got involved with online fandom and uh, being part of that, uh, that culture as well. Um, so uh, quite a while now. Yeah, I, I love that story because I often say – that I think there's two kinds of people. There's the people that go to their first Bruce Springsteen concert and go, wow, that was long. And, (laughs) you know, and the other ones that go, oh, my goodness, I I want to go every time I get a chance to see him perform um, to do that. So I think it's interesting that you had a similar experience that as much as a fan of the music was, seeing them perform live kind of took you to a different level. Yeah, and I mean, I've I've definitely had that experience with Bruce also, um, it, because uh, I always think of Bruce shows as like going to revival yes. meeting, um, and I think he's even said something like that. It's like there yeah. has to be, you know, that that elevating experience happening for people. Um, the the thing for me was hearing Eddie Vedder's voice, mm-hmm. um, and also hearing him sing a song. Uh, that I didn't really, because it wasn't a radio hit. Um, mm-hmm. But when I heard him sing it and I heard the crowd respond to it, I was like, oh, I guess I'm not the only one who really likes that one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, you have those kind of moments. Sure. Um, too. Yeah, it is. So um, I, I I kind of reached out to Wendy and we, we exchanged a few emails. And I, I told her that... Um, We've had a couple of people. We had a full episode on the regular feed about Mount Rushmore of rock. And, you know, we gave the premise of you could pick four solo artists and four groups and who would you put? And we had a really good discussion of um, Dr. Scott and I about it. And we got a lot of different listeners gave it. And so I said, since Wendy um, wasn't involved in that voice, I thought it would be a kind of fun way for her to you know just give us a little extra so 
Um, I think you've done your homework, Wendy. Do you want to share a little bit? Uh, do you want to start with groups or solo? Um, I'm going to start with individuals. Okay. So. And I uh, specifically kind of disregarded the criteria you gave me. Absolutely perfect. So um. <laughs> I love that. I want you to, yeah, like give me a name. and Or first off, how did you go about picking what you thought should belong on that? Well, um, so first and foremost, I wanted them to all be women because Yay. women are not highlighted enough for the contributions to the arts in general and music in particular. Um, so that was my criteria was I want these to be uh, the individuals to be women. Um, and I really thought about first just women artists that mean something to me that spoke to me, um, but also have had uh, an impact on other people. Um, and if they had any connection whatsoever to Pearl Jam or Bruce, that was, was definitely also a consideration. Yes. Um, but, but not really a primary one. So, um, and I also thought about whether they were really rock and roll or, or not. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I tried to focus on mostly rock, but one of them, I, I think, yeah. will argue is not a rock <laughs> musician, so, but um, it's okay. My buddy Sam, who um, I no longer work with, but we remain close friends. We go to try to go to lunch every week. Um, you know, he has... Um, he has problems with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, partly because he's a Leon Helm fan uh, versus a Robbie Robertson fan. And so since oh. Robertson was involved with the Hall of Fame, he therefore, you know, thinks it's crap. <laughs> uh, so, uh, but he also said, you know, um, does Whitney Houston belong in a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? Does Aretha Franklin? And, you know, my point is, it's kind of a pop culture combination, soul, rock and roll. It's all kind of mixed together. Um, so I, I could imagine, I'm just guessing, you might have had some of those concerns about, well, is this person, quote unquote, rock enough or are they more of another genre? Well, I mean, I... I... I'll just say I gave a broad swag Yay, to the definition good. of rock and roll. And good. one one person is definitely not a rock musician, right. but um, it is so influential good. as a singer that they can't be overlooked. If we're talking about Mount Rushmore and not Absolutely. the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. All right. So I, I, I love this. Oh, so give me your first choice. Okay. So I guess I'll start with that one then. Give me one second because I have to. Scroll through my notes a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll start with the one who is furthest afield, and you actually even named her, which is Aretha Franklin. Yeah. Um, and the reason why I think she's, first of all, she has had an amazing voice, um, but she also changed the way that um, female singers presented um, music, um, you know, her reimagining of respect was um, not only about black consciousness, but it was about female power too. 
Yes. And um, and that became a mainstream song, and she, um, I think, just opened a door for a lot of other people, uh, female singers, uh, to, you know, bring their full-throated voice. <laughs> to, no, and, I- and, and there's certainly people before her, but I didn't listen to Bessie Smith, and I didn't listen to those people. I listened to Aretha Franklin as a kid. So um, for me, you know, she belongs there, but um, for sure. Um, and also because what she sang about was her, or at least my imagining of her real experience. You know, she wasn't singing about theoretical things. Right. <laughs> this was, um, you know, there, there's a, a lot of just um, realism and truth in the way she sang. Um, when I made my list, um, I ended up debating on if I should leave someone off to include a female um, musician. Cause I, and so I ended up going Elvis Presley, Chuck Berry, Buddy Holly, Bob Dylan. And, but I had in parentheses either Linda Ronstadt or Aretha Franklin. And then after, as I said, Carol King could have been another choice that I, I didn't know which of those four I should leave off to include one of the other people. So I, I love that you're doing from this perspective because they are significant and they are a major influence and um, they don't get enough respect. Well, I'll jump to my next one because you already mentioned her, which is Carol King Um, and specifically Tapestry, which is an album that came out in 1971. So I was seven years old at the time. And it's actually her songbook. My sister had her um, guitar songbook, but I was learning to play the piano. So I would play the songs in the guitar songbook on the piano. Um, so it was, her music was like one of the first music I learned to play. Um, we also had her album. My sister did, and she let me play it all the time. Um, and I loved her voice. Um to me, she just kind of epitomizes the early 70s before Watergate. Um, yes. <laughs> and um, when I look at that album cover now, I'm like, oh, well, the other reason why I like Carol King was she was just presenting herself. She, it's the photograph of her on that album is her sitting in a window, and she, then there's this cat that's kind of also looking at the camera. Um, it's very, you know earthy 70s kind of photo which is very much what that album is um but she's an amazing composer um and uh writer just fantastic um so um and she had to come on the list for me because for she very much was um of a time when i was I'm figuring out my own identity as a mm-hmm. person and also sort of identifying, you know, women as role models. And this is not a person who is objectified. She's just herself. I love this choice. And the other thing that reminds me is um, you'll, you'll often see um, 
people on the internet or Twitter will go, name an album that is you can listen to, you know, straight through and there isn't a, you know, a bad song on it. And, you know, different people will mention different albums. And like I'll often, my go-to will go Pet Sounds, you know, Pet Sounds yeah. by the Beach Boys. But, you know, I just re-pulled, I pulled up the the track list of tapestry yeah, it's just going, one after another it is one after another <laughs> and um you know and i i think it's they don't i it, she, and i think it's partly because she's a woman right she doesn't get that um recognition but you know in the 72 grammys you know she dominated um, yeah and I mean, she, I mean, she's very influential. Yes. Um, that album influenced a lot of people. Absolutely. Um, so that was the other reason. So she, she means something to me and, and I think her work Great has, choice. has definitely had. Great value. choice. Who's so now I'm going to, so I'm going to switch now to straight up rock and roll, but, but beyond that, which is Joan Jett. Yes. Right. So, so Joan Jett started with the runaways I didn't know her at the time. I, I guess I kind of vaguely heard Cherry Bomb, but I always think of her as I love rock and roll in the um, early 80s, which I was in high school at that time. Uh, so it was very resonant <laughs> for me that um, it, it's just a classic sort of that's a cover. She did not write that song uh, that she recorded with the Black Arts, but um, it, she made it her own uh, for sure. And uh, she's she's just like um, a firecracker. Um, and what I didn't know until recently about Joan Jett was how much uh, influence she had on um, the Riot Girl movement and music in the 90s. Uh, she actually produced the album um, that was released by the Germs, who or a, a band that Pat Smear was in. Pat Smear was later in um, Nirvana and the Foo Fighters. She also produced um, Bikini Kills album. They are the right girl band. Mm-hmm. Um, and she also um, worked with the Gits, who were a punk band from Seattle. And um, they unfortunately lost their singer. She was murdered. Um, and, but Joan Jett, I, I did not know this until there was a movie about her recently that I saw last year, um, that she was heavily involved in inspiring all these people, which was really resonated with me because this was all happening around the same time that Pearl Jam was forming and that a lot of the Seattle music was, was popping at the time. So, um, that also was new information about how much she had influenced other people, other musicians in particular. Yeah. Um, obviously growing up, you know, I, I, I remember that the, I love rock and roll and the, the video. Um, I, I was, she played um, in Beaumont, Texas. It was a double bill, her and the beach boys. Um, <laughs> and it was a lot of fun. And then for all our Springsteen fans, I'm sure um, the first thing they think of is Light of Day, um, the song that Bruce wrote for her that she did in the movie um, mm-hmm. with Michael J. Fox. So 
great choice. I think she is definitely, um, you know, an icon and an influence um, on, you know, future female musicians and male musicians. So, oh, great choice. Who's next? And number four is Patti Smith, who co-wrote a song with Bruce, right? Yes. Because the night, um, which is on one of her um, most famous albums. Um, the the main reason I chose Patti Smith, though, so yes, there's that connection, but um, I actually think of her because she wrote one of my favorite songs, which is People Have the Power, um, which is a song I learned of from Pearl Jam because they've covered that song several times. Um, the, one of the best versions was at a show I attended in Buffalo in 2003. Um, and they've covered, Pearl Jam's covered other Patti Smith songs as well, um, especially Dancing Barefoot, which is another Patti Smith song I really love. Um, the thing about Patti Smith is she's a, a poet at heart. She's a great songwriter. Uh, People Have the Power is now it's kind of like become a modern protest song. Um, I, I had the opportunity to see her at a show that was a benefit for Tibet House in New York City in 2002. Um, and I went to that show because David Bowie was going to play at Carnegie Hall. Um, but she was there, too. And, and I didn't know it until I went to the show. But it was kind of a tradition that she would close this benefit. Um, Adam Yauch from the Beastie Boys is also um, one of the people that runs this benefit, or he was at the time. Um so at the very end, they brought everyone on stage and they sang People Have the Power, uh, <laughs> which if you don't know that song, go and Google it right now. Um, it's it's very inspiring. Um, but the thing about um, Patti Smith is she has a huge impact on a lot of musicians. Um, her album Horses is kind of well-known. Um, I think, um, but uh, she's not known because to have an amazing voice. She's not known because she's beautiful. She's not known because of any, um, you know, stage theatrics or a complicated setup or anything like that. She's really just known for her words. Um, and the, the people that, you know, cite her as an influence, Michael Stipe from REM, very vocal in, talking about how he was influenced by her, but also um, Johnny Marr from the Smiths. The Smiths was a band I, I loved in college. Um, and a lot of the people that she inspired didn't, um, didn't uh, adopt her style or anything like that, but they um, found in her the ability to tap into their own singularity um, and be themselves, uh, be their true selves. Um, so that is the thing I really appreciate about Patti Smith um, and why I think we'll be singing some of her songs for a long time. Uh, I think that's a great choice. I I, I guess maybe a couple months ago, um, Penn Jillette was talking that um, 
before he was married, he spent time with uh, Deborah Herring from Blondie. And before he met her, he said, I'm not, I'm a Patti Smith person. I'm not a Blondie person. Patti Smith is the rock and roll singer I want. I want her power. I want her energy. I want her charisma. I wasn't into Blondie, he said. And then when I ended up meeting uh, Deborah Harry, she was more like Patti Smith than I would have thought. Um, and, and I think that is, Bruce always talks about um, when, when she was, when he did the music Cares, they were doing the tribute to him. He talked about that, um, you know, Patty, he gave, they gave the song to her and she changed the lyrics enough to make it where it really worked. And so he always talks about it's their song. So, um, yeah, I think great choice, great choice. Yeah. She told a, a great story about, um, how, um, I think his name's Johnny Iovine. Yes. Iovine. I'm yes. not going to pronounce his name correctly, but so he was producing her and he was producing Bruce at the same time. And he was really the one who kept on hammering her. Like, have you listened to that Bruce tape yet? You know, are you going to mm-hmm. get around to it? And she was not doing it. And it was actually tied to this routine she had with um, the, who was going to become her husband where he would call every night at like 6.30 or so. And one night, for whatever reason, he didn't call. And she was really an- anxious about it. And that's when she finally listened to the song. And then she funneled all of this, um, you know, love that she had and this whole um, angst about waiting for, <laughs> waiting to talk to this person into that song. And it just kind of flowed out of her um so that that's the, the other the other thing I like about that song yeah. in particular is it's really inspired by love and um, it really was an interesting collaboration. It, it really was. It was. All right. Well, man, that's a great uh, four. Did you have any honorable mentions? I do. I have several honorable that's mentions. Okay. Go so for it. here are my honorable mentions. Um, Joni Mitchell. Yes. Stevie Nicks. Yes. Dolly Parton. Yes. Madonna. Yeah. Annie Lennox. Oh, yeah. And Loretta Lynn. Very nice. Very nice. Those are all great choices. And in a diversity, you continue to show the diversity. And I think I think if people don't understand, I, I don't know if you ended up watching Ken Burns' country music documentary, but he covered the breadth and the beauty of country music and how Loretta Lynn and Dolly Parton, they are wonderful songwriters and wonderful performers and um, such an influence to a whole nother generation of music makers. They are. I mean, I, I had known that about Dolly Parton before I watched that Ken Burns thing. Um, Loretta Lynn, I did not know as much about um, her music until I watched that. And I also didn't know that much about Merle Haggard or Chris Christopherson yeah. um, until I watched that. I knew about Hank Williams uh, 
Stone Gossard, who's the rhythm guitar player for Pearl Jam, mm-hmm. often talks about Hank Williams. Yeah. Um, so I knew he had a lot of influence on a lot of guitar players yeah. um, <laughs> and musicians. But, um, yeah, and I mean, so actually, are we going to do bands? Yes. Okay. okay, so bands, I did not impose the same okay. um, restriction on myself other okay. than and I did not do this as like my favorite bands or anything yeah. like that. I really, um, well, I'll explain, but no, so I'll start with my, with the one who I think is, is a, a person who has to be acknowledged for being the source of so much rock music that came, even though he was a blues player, which is Robert Johnson. Okay. Um, so Robert Johnson is the one who people always tell the story. You know, he went down to the crossroads and sold right. the soul to the devil. Um, but without Robert Johnson, you know, we don't have Eric Clapton and Bob Dylan and, you know, pretty much every band. Out of the, yeah, <laughs> out no, of the, I agree. The yeah. Fish Invasion, the, Rock, the Rolling Stones. Um, and, uh, I, I love blues. I was fortunate to have been introduced to the blues when I was in college. Um, I almost put Sam and Dave in here mm, instead yeah. of Robert Johnson, but I really felt like because, um, really because of Eric Clapton mm-hmm. and the Rolling Stones, I was like, it, it has to be Robert Johnson. Yeah, um, great choice. So I don't know if he counts as a band, <laughs> but... I'm I'm going to dodge that. All right. That's okay. Yes. <laughs> so uh, similar to my uh, selection of Carol King it, it, for the individuals, because it was tied to um, sort of growing up in the, the 70s, 80s, and 90s, I chose Neil Young and Crazy Horse. Oh, nice. And uh, I, didn't cho- I, I didn't choose the more obvious Bob Dylan because – um, what you know that's been done. So I, sure. I wanted no, to I shine agree. a light on Neil Young because he again is another person who really brings a, a particular, unique method <laughs> approach yes. to everything that he does. He's constantly reinventing. Um, you know, if he weren't a musician, I always think Neil Young would be an inventor because uh, right. he's. He seems to be on that path every time you hear him play. I love hearing him play guitar. Yes. Um, with cra- I have to caveat that with Crazy Horse. Right. Um, I really do like that combination. Um, and the and connection. Niels Lofgren, very active, you know, with Neil Young for a lot yeah. of his years. Yeah. Um, also, Pearl Jam connection uh, because Neil was instrumental in kind of keeping Pearl Jam together. Oh, really? Um, yes. So <laughs> back in um, the mid-90s when things were really bad for Pearl Jam and Eddie Vedder in particular, um, this was at the time in which um, fandom was toxic and he, uh, he was getting just, too much media attention, too much focus on on him as a person. Um, he had a fan who loved him so much, decided they needed to drive their car through his house and try oh. to kill his wife. Um, <laughs> that kind of 
really bad okay. stuff. So the band kind of went on a break <laughs> and the rest of the band was feeling like um, maybe they were getting left behind. Sure. Um, so Neil actually went on tour with the rest of Pearl Jam and they recorded an album called Mirror Ball and they were supposed to record an album with Ed as Pearl Jam. So it would have been Neil Young with Pearl Jam instead of Pearl Jam with Neil. Um, but it ended up only being two songs that they did, which was called Merkin Ball. Um, but he was really instrumental in having all the members of the band recognize like, you know, what they were capable of. And it's one of the reasons why, um, they play Rockin' in the Free World as a very frequent cover, which is one of my favorite uh, sure. little songs, too. Um, but one of my other favorite Neil Young songs is just this wonderful little ballad, you know, Harvest Moon. Yes. Um, and Cinnamon Girl. I mean, he just wrote, he's just written some really wonderful songs that are pure rock songs. Yes. Um, you know, one of the things that you make me think of is um, over the past couple of summers, uh, Stephen Van Zandt, little Stephen, has toured a lot. He's he's done a couple of solo albums, and and when he's doing press, he's talked to people and has said that he really regrets leaving the E Street Band right after Born in the USA happened um, because he was off on his own. He wanted to do his own solo stuff, and he said it was just, it, it was a mistake, uh, not just financially, he thinks creatively. And he says he tells bands nowadays, you can have it all. You can go do individual solo material. You can go stretch your wing creatively, but keep the band there. Keep the band back together, because there will be a time when you want to go play music with your friends again. And um, and and you will want that. And he said that, you know, the time apart made the E Street stronger. And I, I, I you can hear in the interviews, Wendy, the pain he feels of that, that if he and Bruce and, and the other band members and Bruce is the one who made the decision, obviously. But if they could do it over again, they would have tried this a different way. So I think that's great that Neil Young kind of helped them work through that. um that process to keep them together. Yeah. And I mean, Neil was, is absolutely a person who's, you know, broken things up and putting them back together yes, exactly. and, and constantly experimenting. Um, but that did also happen with Pearl Jam in terms of um, the, uh, there's a funny, it's in the, the 20th anniversary documentary where, um, so Stone Gossard and Jeff, Ament were the founders of Pearl Jam, right? They came from another band that their singer tragically died of a heroin overdose um, called Mother Love Bone. So they kind of knew that they were going to make another band somehow. Right. So um, in any case, in the beginning, they were in charge of the band. They were like running and driving things. But in the meantime, you have Eddie Vedder as your lead singer, right? And, and he's a songwriter and he's a person who is, you know, he's the focal point because he's the lead singer. Um, he's also, 
growing as a musician and Stone makes a very funny comment about me and Jeff were arguing over the scraps when we didn't even realize that Ed had like completely taken over the band. Right. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and so they had to go through a process of sort of everybody figuring out their, their role and their influence and, and recalibrating to that. Um, and then they all started doing their own side projects and they, they have often talked about how, as fans of the who and the Beatles and, and other bands, they were always really disappointed when they broke up they mm-hmm. didn't want Pearl Jam to break up. So they made a concerted effort. You know, everybody has side projects within Pearl Jam yeah. and they're very supportive of those side projects. Um, and the, the thought is, you know, whatever you bring back is going to be, you know, more interesting and, and better for whatever the band works on, mm-hmm. you know, separate from people's individual side side gigs. Very cool. Okay. All right. So now. Yes. Next is Prince. Okay. And the revolution. Nice. Um, and for me, Prince is, is the real deal. <laughs> so he, he, um, Definitely stands on the shoulders of people before him as far as funk. But to me, he transformed funk and soul and pop and rock, all of them. Um, I just love how he he's very um, playful mm-hmm. and um, flirty, I guess would be the right word to use and in, in Everything he talks about as far as, um, you know, exploring sex um, yes, and talking about sex in, in a very um, open, open way um, and, and, and a celebratory way. It's not a, a domineering way. Um, he's just funky. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and one of the most phenomenal guitar players ever. Absolutely. Um, so I, I just, Prince means a lot to me. Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah. And then my number one is the Beatles. The Beatles are kind of, um, the band that was like the soundtrack of my childhood, I think. Yeah. Um, and really kind of what I imprinted on as, oh, well, this is what rock music is supposed to sound like. Yes. You know? Um, so for me, they, they definitely have to be there. Yeah. Um, I always think it's interesting in, in Bruce's autobiography, he talks about that when he saw Elvis, he, you know, the world changed, but when he saw the Beatles, he wanted to be a Beatle. Um, Uh and, and, you know, and I think the influence they have in just so many ways is, you can't count it. And then when you talk about just strip away, and I think yesterday, you know, that film, whether you like the film or not, shows the magic of those songs and how, if people had never heard them, how they would be just amazed by them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think no one's going to argue with that choice. And, and it's true. And it, and there's a, it, there's a reason why it's 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 a cliche. Well, of course you got to pick the Beatles. Well, yeah, because they're the Beatles. 
So absolutely. Great yeah. choices. So I'd, I'd be curious to hear if uh, people yeah. <laughs> have thoughts about, oh, my God, those are the worst choices no, no, ever. No, no I, 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 I want you to do that. That'd be great. Um, and and I would definitely encourage people if you are not familiar with any of these artists to go yes. out and seek them out. Oh, absolutely, Wendy. This is so much fun. I appreciate you so much. Um, I'm gonna have to have you on again, uh, maybe when um, we get past this uh, this uh, virus and we uh, you do get tickets for the next Pearl Jam show. We can talk <laughs> about it, and uh, that'll be good. Um, if someone wants to reach you, how can they? Uh, well, they can hear me on tuning into Sci-Fi TV podcast, which is on where any any uh, format that you get your favorite podcasts. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at Wendy Hembrock. All right, and uh, guys, you know how to find me. So uh, we appreciate this. This is Wendy. I, I appreciate you sparing some time. We're going to end with because I did not know this song and I Googled it. And I think I think in today's environment, this song is more important than ever. The power to dream, to rule, to wrestle the world from fools. It's decreed the people rule. It's decreed the people rule. I believe everything we dream can come to pass through our union. We can turn the world around. We can turn the Earth's revolution. We have the power. People have the power. Thank you, Wendy, for sharing that. And thank, thank you, you Jesse. You just heard the fun talking, hard rocking, music loving, album ranking, fan thinking, joy spreading, lyric reading, story sharing podcast that is the one. The only set listing Bruce. The set listing Bruce is part of the Southgate Media Podcast Group. The theme for set listing Bruce was written by David Rosen, used by permission. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.